We're going to interrupt this song at the question. And we're going to have Andy sing the rest of it later on, but it seemed more appropriate as we were talking about Nicodemus, who came with the question, who came with his mind so right, but there was something wrong in his heart. And he had something more that he wanted to reach. We're not even sure he knew what that was. As a matter of fact, we're pretty sure he didn't. There may be many of you who came in this morning not particularly with a question. You came in because you wanted to get closer to God and you wanted to get closer to people who were closer to God. And so you came. And if you will study this piece of scripture, I think that there may be something that is of great benefit to you. Please open, uh, to the, uh, if you have your scriptures with you, to John chapter 3. And we'll continue with our examination of, of John and how to see the eternal every day. And this is, this is really the, the germinal uh, 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 passage, because this is the first step you have to have. This is the qualifying verse, so to speak. Um, and we'll talk about uh, Nicodemus, as, re- as Vernus re- refers to this passage, this is the theological foundation for Nick at night. Um, you got to know Vernon. <clears throat> now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night. Now, there are many commentaries give many reasons why he could have come by night. But in John, you've got to realize this. In the Gospel of John, night is always a covering. Um, it's always a, 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 a way not to proceed to the Lord. And so there was an element of safety of night here, physical night, that he wasn't putting himself out there uh, and putting it all on the line, so to speak. He came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, now notice he hasn't, he hasn't asked a question yet. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is... By the way, you here is plural. It's not just you, Nicodemus. It's you and everybody who is like you. Unless one is born again, that's also born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Now, now you got to picture Nicodemus. He is a Pharisee. The Pharisees were absolutely the best people around. I mean, they've they've gotten a a kind of a bad rap in Christianity, but these people were people who wanted to live their life for God, who tried to obey every rule so that they could get into heaven, so that they could be approved by God. And the, and the, the question... For a person who has that mentality about getting into God is, okay, how can I be better? You tell me something, tell me how. I'll do it. You you give me a list, I'll do the list. I can do it. This was a good man. And if God graded on the curve, he would have made it easy. See, you're all, we're pretty good people, aren't we? I mean, we're church people. And if God graded on the curve, we'd make it, wouldn't we? And we were better than most, aren't we? Church people, you know. Bad news is, 
God doesn't grade on the curve. Yeah, there's the problem. And so Nicodemus says, well, how? You know, tell me about this. I'll figure out a way to get better. How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? See, all he can think of is in earthly terms. That's all most people can think of, by the way, is in earthly terms. That's why we want to see eternity every day, because we just think in earthly terms. Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, let me just give a little parenthetical. This is not the, the, the focus of the text this morning, but I want to tell you this because it's a very, fairly uh, important theological point that many of you will need throughout your Christian life. There will be people who tell you that unless you are water baptized, you are not saved. And they will use this text as proof. Unless one is born of the water and the Spirit. That means you've got to be baptized in the water or you can't go to heaven. Now, there have been many commentaries on this. Some people say, well, no, that's not. The water means physical birth, you know, breaking the water. You know, that means physical birth. That is, unless you're born physically and spiritually, you can't go to heaven. Some people say, well, it means baptism, but it, but it means that you, you can't have the, the baptism without the, the Spirit there. You've got to have them, you gotta have them both. And they can come at separate times, but you've got to have them both. If you read this text very carefully in the original language, the preposition here is singular. Unless one is born of the water and the spirit is a single, water and spirit is a single thing. Now I want you to think with me for a moment how many times in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is referred to by metaphor. There are times when the Holy Spirit is fire. There are times when the Holy Spirit is dove. There are times when the Holy Spirit is wind. There are times when the Holy Spirit is water. In, 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 in uh, John 7, it says, and that living water that wells up in you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what they're talking about. And so, I like John Calvin's interpretation of this, unless one is born of the water which is the Spirit. That spiritual birth is what counts. Not what we do with our Bodies, that spiritual word. Now, please don't let that dissuade you from getting baptized. That's a wonderful symbol of what's happening in your life. And that's obedience to the Lord. But it's not necessary for salvation. All right, read on with me now. It says, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't let me complicate this message for you this morning. Preachers have a tendency to talk so long they take what is simple and make it very complex. This is, not, this is not tough. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus even said, this shouldn't be a big deal to you. Look at the next verse. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. Here's, a, here's an analogy to the, to, the, to the spirit again. Because wind, both in Greek, pneumata, and in Hebrew, ruach, means wind. Means breath. The wind blows where it wishes. You will hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. You know, it's God's deal. At the end of this message, we're going to have an old-fashioned altar call. Just plain and simple, right in front of everybody. But don't worry throughout, I wonder if I'm going to go up. Don't, don't. You know what? That's the Spirit's deal. If, if you feel something stirring in your heart, 
You, you better know that's the Spirit of God because nothing in you wants to come up here. Uh, that no, nobody wants to stand up in front of other people. Nobody likes change. Uh-uh. So don't worry about that. That's the Spirit. And nobody else is going to worry about who comes up and who doesn't because that's God's deal. That's God's deal. And that's what this is all about. This is God. That's what Jesus was saying. This is God's deal. Now let me, let me just talk for a little while uh, about these opening verses. There are times in our lives when we realize that we can't get there from here. I mean, you, you know the old joke about the, the guy who stops uh, along the country road and, and, and top in front of the cabin, and he's asking for directions. There's two people sitting on a, you know, rockers, and he's asking for directions to uh, Peoria or wherever. And uh, he says, how do I get Peoria? And, you know, they, they, they start arguing, you know. Well, you go down, and no, you don't, don't go. You go there. And finally, they just look at him and say, you can't get there from here. <laughs> and, 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 and the funny thing about that is you should be able to get anywhere from where you are. That's true in the world. It's not true in the spirit. You can't get there from here. You can't get to the life of the spirit from simply having a physical birth. You can't get there from here. Now, all of our lives, God gives us some inclination that there comes a different kind of life that you've never lived before. It's still a, a worldly inclination, but it's a premonition. It's a foreshadowing of this completely different life that we have to have if we are to see the eternal every day. If we are to see the kingdom of God. You've gone through phases in your life where life would never be the same again. Some of you remember the first time you ever fell in love and you fell so hard you could not stop thinking about other person. I mean, up to this time, you'd always thought about yourself. What, okay, what do I do? What I, where do I go? What, how do I act? And, 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 and now you, you're getting up. And you're thinking, I can't think about me without thinking about her. I can't think about me without thinking about her. See, that was a time when it first dawned on you, you know, I'm not sure I'll ever be the same again. I've discovered something here that is more powerful than my thoughts about myself. Some of you remember... The first real achievement you ever had in your life. I mean, it was, people came to you and said, that's the greatest thing. I, boy, this fan, you're wonderful. And you said, you never felt like that before. Well, how, how about that? I, got, I guess I got something to con contribute. I guess I'm here for a reason. Or how about that? And your life would never be the same again. And in like matter, you can remember when you failed so utterly terribly you could never fix it and every you knew for the rest of your life when you remembered that thing you would regret it because you just couldn't ever make it right and you knew life would never be the same again some of you remember the first time you moved away from home life would never be the same again some of you have had an incident in your life where you received word that you had a life-threatening disease and you knew your life would never be the same again. And some of you have lost to death people you never believed you could live without and your life has never been the same again. All during our lives, God gives us little premonitions that there is something that could be radically different about our lives. 
All to say, you know, I know what I made you for, and you have an intuition of what I made you for, and the more you try to get there, the more you fail, and you're just coming up to the conception. I'll never get there like I am. I've got to be someone completely different than I am. It's not a matter of what I believe. See, Nicodemus that night came, he believed in Jesus, or he wouldn't have come. He said, you're a teacher sent from God. We know that. Who's the we? Go to the last three verses in the second chapter that Orlando mentioned last week, and you can see who the we are. The we are all those people who saw the signs and believed in Jesus. Many people here believe in Jesus up here because you've seen what he could do. You've, you've, you, your mind has been changed. And that was them. Their mind had been changed. But there's a type of belief that changes your mind without changing your whole life. And that's not all God has for you. There's another type of belief that doesn't come until you have a life transplant. <laughs> until your life isn't your life anymore. That you're living God's life in you. And that's what Jesus was talking about. That's what being born from above really means. Now, Read on with me into these next verses. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? There's that how word again. He is trying again to get some sort of handle on what he can do about this. And Jesus says, Watch this, an even more mysterious answer than he offered the first time. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? In other words, look, this isn't rocket science. You know, you know what it is for new life to come into dead things? Things that, things that don't have any power of their own? A Jew would know that. A Jew would have read Ezekiel 37 or 38 or... I don't know what it is. Wait a minute, I got it here. Ezekiel, Ezekiel... 37. Where? <laughs> you remember this passage. The bones, those old dead bones are there. And the prophecy comes to Ezekiel. And the Lord says, prophesy over these bones. I have to preach my, my bone sermon sometime. When I go to dead places, I preach my bone sermon. You know? <laughs> of course, Northern hadn't been dead since I've been here. So I haven't preached my bone sermon here. But, but you know... Ezekiel prophesies and those bones just start coming together. And then that sinew, that muscle comes in and that skin, see? And then lastly, the breath. Tell the breath of God to come in that and it lives. Now, Nicodemus knew that. And Jesus knew that Nicodemus knew it. And Jesus looked at him and said, wait a minute. You're a teacher and you can't figure out what I'm talking about? You know it already. And then he said this. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of that which we know and bear witness of that which we have seen. And you do not receive our witness if I told you earthly things and you do not believe. And that's exactly the way Jesus preaches. He preaches in earthly concepts because nobody has an experience of heaven but him. That's all they got to work with. He always uses earthly analogies to initiate people into the kingdom. Does it four times in this passage. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe... 
How shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Let me, let me tell you the last reference, and then let me go back to what, what the big picture he's talking about here. Many of you know about this reference in, in Numbers tri- chapter 21, when the children of Israel were out in the desert, and people were starting to whine. You know, they whined a lot in the desert. And they started whining against God, and they started whining against Moses. And God got a little angry with them, and so he sent fiery serpents among them. And these serpents just bite these people. And they'd get sicker than dogs. Well, see, when you're in pain, you repent. At least if, you're, if you've got half a brain, you, you, you repent. You go, oh, don't want to go that direction anymore. This hurts too much. And so that's what they did. They went to Moses, said, you know what? We're, I, think we're, I think we're sorry for what we did here. <laughs> sorry we wanted against you. Sorry we wanted against God. Would you pray for us? Would you intercede for us? So he goes to the Lord, and and he intercedes, and and God says, okay, I'll tell you what. Take one of those snakes and lift it up on a pole, and everyone who looks at that snake will be healed of his disease. Now, Jesus is is making the analogy here that he's going to be lifted up, and everyone who looks at him is going to be healed. You say, Jesus compares himself to a snake? To the very thing that makes someone sick? The answer is, yeah. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's exactly what Jesus became for us when he took all of our sins on him. The very thing that was killing us, he took So that when we looked on him, we would be healed. And so, Jesus is saying, that's the effect, but I want you to see the source. You see, nobody can can get healed just by looking and believing. The only way you can get healed is by having that in you, which has been that in God. And there's only one that has been that And that's me, Jesus says. You know that instinctively. You know that the only real knowledge is the knowledge that you have of your own life that nobody can argue with. People have reasonability. All of us have reasonability, deductive ability, and that's that's perfectly fine knowledge. Rational uh, uh, reasoning, uh, reasoning is a perfectly fine way to get to a conclusion, but it's not conclusive, especially when it comes to the realm of religion. Because everybody has their own opinions and everybody has their own reasons. So why isn't everybody absolutely, perfectly entitled to their opinion? And who can say who's right? Jesus says here, I tell you who can say. I can say. Because I'm the only one who was there with the Father. Who came down to you. We've known for a long time that that's the most real source of knowledge. Studies that have been done, especially in the field of psychology and sociology, have told us that people instinctively go back to their own experience 
to, to, to identify what's, with what's true. Um, uh, let me give you an example. In 1931, Alexander Luria, who was a psychologist in Russia, um, uh, departed for the mountains of Central Asia to determine whether or not the nomads, the, the, the people who lived there, had the same kind of reasoning um, um, habit uh, as Westerners, as Northern Europeans and Americans. That is the logical Western um, um, syllogism type re- uh, reasoning. So, and, and, so, and so he started interviewing these people through a translator, of course, one by one. And, he went, and they were very friendly people, perfectly willing to talk to him. And so he'd sit down, and he'd, and he'd just put forth to them, without, without their, their really being aware of it, a simple syllogism. Uh, and, and he said, he'd sit down, and he'd, and he'd start talking to one, and he'd say, you know, all the bears up north are white. And they'd look at him and go, friendly, you know, okay, bears are white up north. And then he'd say, and I got a letter from my friend who lives up north who said he'd seen a bear. There, you know, okay. Seen a bear, got it. And then he said, what color do you suppose that bear was? And to the person, they'd look at this guy and they would say, how would I know? Ask your friend, he saw the bear. (laughs) In other words, the most true kind of knowledge you can have is the contextual relational knowledge, the one who was there. All of us know that instinctively. Our reasoning can be wrong. We can be so right in our heads and so wrong in our hearts. And so therefore, we need the one in our heart that was there. And Jesus is saying, I'm your only alternative here. I mean, you got to choose. For life from above, you got to put all your eggs in one basket. He says this, and this is the most oft-memorized verse in all the Bible and should be. And if you haven't memorized it yet, you need to memorize it. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Say this with me. You know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not die but have everlasting life. Greek interpretation. Should not perish. That's right. But have everlasting life. Now watch this. When you say this verse, and even the next one, that God did not send his son into the world to judge. The, the Greek word is condemn the world but that the world should be saved through him. Before we go any further, you need to know in the bottom of your heart that any image you have in your mind about God being this mad, angry guy in the clouds that is just waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can hop on it and tell you how bad you are, that's not God. You know what? If you think about this, what this really means, it means that he loves you at least as much as he loved his only son because he sacrificed his only son for you. That's how much he loves you. And so read on with me. 
He who believes in him is not judged. And we're going to talk about what believes means in just a minute. But he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the, name, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That is his nature, his name. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light. And you, don't have, you know what? You don't have to do very much evil to hate the light. Like I said, Nicodemus was a good old boy. But he still was standing in the dark, wasn't he? Because that was a safety factor for him. He could still be one of the crowd. He could still just not venture forth and risk it all. You don't have to be very evil to hang back. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest as having been wrought in God. Let me make this last point. Jesus is saying here, and he's inviting Nicodemus. And you know what? We never know what happened to Nicodemus. Don't know. But you could end the story today. Jesus says this. There's a type of life that's very risky. And you can't go half measures. It's like you can't jump over a chasm with two jumps. It's got to be one. And he's saying this, you can't hang back, you've got to come, come on with it. But there is a type of life that can totally come into your life so that you're living God's life and not your old life anymore. There are some of you who came this morning who said, you know, I just want to get closer to God because what I'm doing isn't working. And I know for sure that what God made me for, I'll never get to from here. I just can't get there from here. I've tried too many times. I've failed too many times. And I want to say good for you because you're coming to the most basic truth of all. You can never get there without the life of God living in you instead of you. Paul said this. He rejoiced because it is no longer he who lives but Christ who lives in him. And that same joy is available for all of us. And it is a joy to know that we can retain our memory while absolutely having a life and character transplant. I'll never forget the story of Augustine before he was a saint. Before Augustine came to Christ, Augustine, of course, was the most profound theological thinker of all time. But before he came to Christ, he was a renegade. He got drunk. He slept with as many women as he could possibly sleep with. He loved it. And he knew he wasn't right. He used to pray, God save me, but not yet. <laughs> How many times have you prayed that? But there came a time, God's time, when he just came and St. Augustine knew it was, it, was, it was the time. And there was some time after that he, he was walking down the street and he saw coming toward him this woman that he had slept with. 
And as he was walking by her on the street, he greeted her with all the kindness and all the cordiality that he would anyone. And he walked on by. She stopped in her tracks. And she ran back to him. And she said, Augustine, do you not know me? It is I. And he looked at her with all of the purity and all the kindness in his eyes. And he smiled and he said, but it is not I. He was a different person. And you can be too.